Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book two of his work on anger, starting in chapter 28, Seneca is going to provide us with some, you could call them reflections or admonitions, to use one of the terms that he himself brings up, about how we ought to look at our own behavior and the behavior of others and how we should exercise some self-awareness. Not his term, but it's a great blanket term. And he thinks that by doing this, we will help to keep ourselves from being as angry or perhaps even getting angry at all at things, at actions that we see other people doing or when we ourselves are being criticized. So he begins this by telling us that if we want to be fair, equi, equitable judges, then we need to realize something. And that something is a very general statement. He says, let's convince ourselves that none of us is without fault. Sina culpa. Culpa is something that you've done wrong or are going to do wrong in some cases because intentions count as well. And so when we're admitting to our own faults, we're, you know, in a better situation. He tells us that the greatest indignation, he uses that term indignatio, arises, has its origin from two statements. One is, I'm without sin, or literally, I don't sin, I didn't sin, you know, pecavit in this, and I did nothing. I didn't do anything, right? Uh, I did nothing wrong. So those commitments, those assumptions, those postures on our part lead us into certain problems. And one of these is resenting, getting angry at other people who criticize or admonish us, admonitio, right? They're, they're telling us, hey, don't go down that line or you're going to wind up in trouble. We don't like to hear that, right? We don't like people telling us that we're doing the wrong thing, let alone restraining us, coercatio, right? We don't like that either. And why do we resent that? Well, because we think we didn't do anything wrong. And so who is this person to criticize or to restrict me in any way? Seneca also talks about us, and this is where the real meat comes in, uh, getting angry with other people for doing the same things, committing the same misdeeds or sins that we do the same wrongs. And so we might be especially sensitive to this. We might be projecting. We might be just, you know, rather egotistical and think that we get to do things and nobody else gets to do them. And so, you know, he thinks that this is a a significant problem, something that we really need to pay attention to. And he says, who's that person there who claims that they're innocent before all laws? And then he makes a a really important contrast, even though that might be so, what a pinched innocence, what a compressed innocence is that which merely fulfills the law, right? To be legally good. How much more broadly, he says, the norm of appropriate actions extends beyond the rule of law. 
And both of these terms require a little bit of explanation. So rule of law here is the way that is translated in, in this particular edition. Regula, literally the rules of the law. So fulfilling the law as it's written out or as it's been interpreted, that's sort of a baseline, right? That does not mean that you're just yet because you could certainly do things that are not strictly speaking illegal, but are not fulfilling your appropriate actions. Or we, another way of translating this, this term officia is duties. We don't fulfill the wide range of what it is that we should do, what we owe to other people. So merely saying, well, I didn't violate any law, if that's even a true statement, it's not enough. So Seneca is going to talk about some positive characteristics that any decent person should show and be motivated by. Devotion, pietas, right? And so this is not just to the gods, but to other people who we should respect. For example, parents or our teachers or people like that. Humanity, humanitas, being humane to other people, being decent, compassionate towards them. Generosity, liberalitas. So so being willing to, you know, sometimes give a little bit here and there, not to demand strict justice on your part. Justice itself, justitia, very important. And then finally, a very interesting one, good faith, fides. This is going to come up more than once. Fides could also be understood as loyalty. It could also be understood as being trustworthy by other people. So all of these are characteristics that we should be ourselves cultivating. And insofar as we don't cultivate them and don't act on them, we're actually screwing up. You know, so if we're going to criticize other people for their lapses, we should probably look at our own lapses first. And he says, by the way, you don't get off the hook if you didn't actually do the thing that the person that you're criticizing and angry at did themselves because, you know, he talks about a whole bunch of, it's almost like a chain. He says, some things we've done, alia fecimus, right? So some things. And then another alia, meaning another set of things we have planned or thought over, cogitavimus, right? So maybe we didn't actually steal the, the money that was left out, but we thought about it. And the fact that we thought about it means that we're not 100% when it comes to these positive qualities. Or we hoped for, octavimus, other things, right? Other things that we shouldn't be hoping for, right? We don't actually plan it out, but we're like, ooh, wouldn't that be nice? You know, we see somebody who's attractive, but we're in a committed relationship and we don't do anything with them. We don't even talk to them. We don't plan out anything with them, but we think to ourselves, ooh, wouldn't it be nice if I was unattached and I could sleep with that person? Well, that's, that's not the uh, same thing as you've committed adultery in your heart of the Gospels, but it's pretty close, isn't it? And then he talks about supporting, favimus, right? There are some things that we didn't ourselves do, but we we didn't criticize other people who we should have for doing it. In fact, we actually maybe said, there you go, good job, right? And so he says, in some cases, we're only innocent because we didn't get our way. So with this thought in mind, Let's treat miscreants more fairly and pay heed to those who rebuke us. So two different sets here. People who are actually doing something wrong and we're getting angry with them. 
But we don't realize that we do or plan or wish for or support the same thing. Sometimes we actually get mad at people for doing things that we think are wrong, but we actually support. It might even be that person, right? We might have not led them on in certain respects. And so, you know, there's that group. And then there's the people who are rightly criticizing us and saying, hey, don't you do that sort of thing. And we tend to get angry with either. So he says, it's not through their fault, but through the law of our own mortality that we suffer unpleasantness that comes from the gods, you know, so we shouldn't even be mad at them, right? Now, he gives a lot of examples, and I think these examples are very relatable. The first one that he starts with, speaking ill of you. He says, suppose you're told someone has spoken ill of you. Consider this, whether you did it first, consider how many you bad mouth. I stress this point. Let's reflect that some aren't doing us a wrong, but are actually returning one. Some are acting on our behalf, others under duress, others in ignorance, right? So people are saying bad things about us. Don't we do that ourselves? Why are we so angry at them doing it? Another great example, lusting for another's spouse. And he notes that those who do, in fact, lust after and perhaps pursue, flirt with, create a dating profile and, and connect up with other people's partners. It doesn't just have to be spouses. It could be boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever you want, right? That they get upset when somebody does the same thing to them. They want to flirt with everybody else's spouses. But if anybody flirts with their spouse, ooh, now they're mad. They're being a hypocrite, right? They're being inconsistent. And a little bit of self-awareness could help them to, first of all, realize they shouldn't be flirting with other people's spouses unless their spouse is, you know, cool with that. But they shouldn't be getting upset with this other person for doing the same as them. Another great example, and here's where I think that this fides could be translated quite productively as loyalty, right? He says, the man who makes the sharpest demands on another's good faith is faithless himself. He wants everybody else not to let him down, to be advising him about everything in timely manners, to follow through on their agreements, but he doesn't do the same to them. This is a big problem, by the way, when there's any sort of you know power imbalance. The boss doesn't do what it is that they demand the employees to do. You know, we're all one big happy family. Sure, a happy family where daddy or mommy rules the roost and everybody else is supposed to show them loyalty, but they don't show loyalty or good faith to anybody else. Well, that's the real problem there. Lying to others, right? We don't like when people lie. He says the man who chases down lies is himself a perjurer, right? He's telling lies himself. A lot of people get upset about things that they are doing, and it's a way of projecting it onto others. Bringing false charges. Here he has in mind the law court, right? Because he talks about being sued. Person who brings all sorts of false charges, abuses the legal institutions, gets mad when somebody else does that to them. Oh, this isn't fair. I can't believe that they're using the very same mechanism of justice against me that I used against others. He also talks about being angry with people who punish slaves and then going home and punishing your own slaves. There's a lot of this and it doesn't have to be slaves. It could be talking about other people's families and their dynamics. It could be talking about other people's workplaces. It could be any sort of group situation where again, there's a power imbalance and one person 
gets to punish another. He talks about indulging appetites. And here he gets a little bit more specific, right? He says, a father reproves his son's elaborate banquets, though he's worse than his son. The man who's denied nothing to his own appetite for luxury forgives nothing in another man's. So indulging in food, indulging in drink, other sensual appetites, people condemn each other for doing the same thing that they either do or wish to do or did do back in their own time. There's one other one that he brings up, and this is in chapter 35 of book three. He returns to this topic. And I think this is a really important one. You're indignant that a slave answered back to you and a freeman too, and your wife and a client. Then you turn around and complain that the free speech you've destroyed at home has been torn from the commonwealth, right? So you're saying, oh, everybody's restricting my free speech. Oh, cancel culture, pick whatever other trendy term you want, but you won't let other people say things. You want everybody to shut up and listen to you. And at the same time, you're not extending that same frankness or freedom of speech, which was, you know, considered very important in ancient times to the people that are close to you, not just subordinates, but even your friends and your family. You're shutting them up and demanding that they don't say their piece. And yet you want to say yours. All of these are instances where somebody is showing a lack of self-awareness or they're just a jerk and they think that everybody else should be bound by rules that don't apply apply to them, that they're an exception, right? So Seneca thinks that if we're attentive to this and we not only, you know, look at these sort of instances where it's likely to happen, but we keep in mind how we get there, the assumptions that go into this partiality, you could say, on our own parts, excusing ourselves for behavior, but wanting to hold other people accountable for it and interpret their actions in bad ways and interpret our actions or even desires in good ways. If we can start to undo that, we will be less angry people. So this is a very important section within Seneca's On Anger, giving us a concrete set of ways, modes of analyzing our own behavior and not just behavior, but planning, desires, and what it is that we support so that we will be a little less hypocritical and therefore less angry. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.